A wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Joy to the world. Oh, that's a, that's a good song. That's a good Christmas song. Uh, Silent Night, that's a, that's a good, good Christmas song. There's so many good songs at Christmas time. There's great songs at Christmas time. I remember listening to Handel's Messiah at Christmas time. Oh, Holy Night, that is a great Christmas song. Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer, probably not too many people's favorites. Blue Christmas, Elvis, my wife hates that song. But why is there so much music associated with the Christmas season? You ever wonder why? One of the songs that we sang earlier, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, words written by the poet Walt Whitman during the Civil War, trying to capture the emotion of a moment. It seems like every musical artist these days is supposed to crank out a Christmas album. Why is that? Because there is a deep connection between Christmas and song. Think of the story. Angels show up and sing. Shepherds go forth and sing. Mary sings, rejoicing. So how important is that this year? I think it's probably very important this year. Last week, we began our Advent series learning about hope. Anchoring ourselves in Mary's experience. This young teenager, poor teenager, who found out that she was going to pregnant carry God's Savior for the world. Luke chapter 1, what we call Mary's song. This story of hope in three scenes of God's faithfulness in the past, our humble obedience in the present, and experiencing God's goodness in the future. We want to take what we learned last week and we want to add on to it this week. And Mary's going to do it for us. She's going to launch us right from hope into our next theme, that is joy. She gives us a song of joy. And you just, it's pretty easy to see as you look at the very words that she says in her poem. So much of what she says is built off of the Psalms in the Old Testament. And what we learned last week is that this song that she sings is she bumped into Elizabeth. She goes and she visits Elizabeth, her cousin, and, and Elizabeth is overjoyed to see Mary, and, and Mary is overjoyed. But I learned something new this week. Some theologians think that the song that we're going to look at could have been Elizabeth's song. Well, I thought it was Mary's song. And then I started to think, well, maybe it could be my song. Maybe it could be your song. And then stay with me. What if we took our cue from Mary this week and we learned how to share joy? In the dizziness of the world and everything that's going along, maybe we could learn to take our cue from Mary and in the midst of hope, learn how to share 
joy. So if you couldn't join us last week, you can go to whoishouseontherock.com. You can get caught up there. But let's see how Mary takes her declaration and how she gives it some shape. We learned last week that she took some of her words from Hannah in the Old Testament. Elizabeth helped her. Well, maybe Mary could help us put something into song today. What is joy? Let's not make this complicated, okay? Let's not develop or think up some odd, big, huge biblical definition. Joy simply is that natural, emotional overflow of hope. That's all. And it's all over the Christmas story, isn't it? Here, just listen. You don't have to turn anywhere. Just listen. In Luke chapter 1, what does Elizabeth say? She says that the sound of Mary showing up, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Later in chapter 2, angels say to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. When the Magi show up to Herod, and Herod sends them on their way, it says that the star that they'd seen rose and went before them until it came to rest in the child's place where he was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The shepherds returned from seeing the Christ child glorifying and praising God with joy. The promise of Isaiah, of the child that was going to be born, he says in that very word that you have increased the nation's joy, God. We got Elizabeth, joy. Mary, joy. The unborn baby John, joy. Shepherds, joy. Angels, joy. Wise men, joy. And all of them were in their own version of hell, all of them coming from difficult situations, yet each of them were able to share joy, this natural emotional overflow of hope. They had realized that God was doing something and God had invited them to be a part of it. Whether it was the wise men or Mary or Elizabeth, any of the characters that we love so much in the Christmas story, the source of their joy was realizing that God had invited them to be a part of their story. That I'm rescued. I am being rescued. I'm a part of helping rescue others. And so they shouted and they sang and they cried and they rejoiced and they danced. But why don't we? I started to think about this. I mean, I know that we're capable, but I'm talking about us white, Midwestern, fundamental Jesus followers. We have emotions, but why is it when it comes to walking in the hope that is the gospel, that why do we struggle so much to share joyfully? Ladies, why do you cry at Hallmark movies? Some of you are into your 30th or 40th movie already. Why do you cry in Hallmark movies? You aren't going to marry some Christmas prince in a castle that came back to life after dying from some rare disease in a distant land where it's Christmas all the time, who you met after your ex-husband left you for the local waitress named Donna. That's never going to happen to you. But why do you cry in the middle of these Hallmark movies? You'll go through 30, 40 boxes of tissues. Guys, why do you scream and shout and dance when your team scores? I mean, some of you got your own little shuffle. Why do you do that? You don't practice with them. They don't know you. They don't know your name. 
They don't know you any more than the Hallmark Prince knows your wife's name. So how do we get so emotionally entangled in these moments, so expressive? It's because we're invested in the story. We put ourselves into the story. We watch the movie, and we connect with the characters, and we feel for them. We buy jerseys and stuff and and tickets, and we invest time. We invest in their success so it becomes our team, our story. If you look at all of those who shared joy in the Christmas story, Elizabeth, Mary, shepherds, angels, wise men, it was a hope realized. They were aware that God had invited them into his story And now it became their story. And this is why joy flows out of hope. So let's learn how to give our joy a vehicle. And that might be something that we struggle with. How do we actually do something with the joy that we feel? So let's see how Mary framed her joy, how she put her song together. So if you will, we'll call this Mary's Christmas Guide for New Songwriters. If you're following along in your notes, here's something to fill in together. What's the first thing? Record your feeling about God's actions and your situation. Record your feeling about God's actions and your situation. Write that down. Where do I get that? Where do I say that? Well, I want you to look. We're going to look in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48. You follow along and I'll read it. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 48. Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. She records her feelings. She says, my spirit rejoices. For some of you, that might be a huge stretch. Well, guess what? You're allowed to cheat. What? Absolutely. You are so allowed to jumpstart this. After all, Mary got her words from someone else in the Bible. You are completely allowed to use the Bible to fuel your song of joy. You can copy. They say that we have mainly around four main emotions that they all kind of trickle out from there. So let's say if you're glad. If you're glad, you might turn to Psalm 145 where it says, every day I bless you and praise you. And you grab a hold of that and that becomes a part of your song of joy. Or if you're sad, you might turn to Psalm 38. I am utterly bowed down, the psalmist says, and all day I go about mourning. Maybe you're mad. Yes, there are psalms about being mad. The psalmist said in Psalm 10, why do you hide yourself in my trouble? The psalmist is furious. He's angry. He's confused. He's mad. Why does it feel like God has abandoned him? Or maybe you're you're afraid and you have fear. Well, we spent a whole season this last year going through Psalm 23. I fear no evil, for you are with me. So Mary took some words from the Old Testament to help her jumpstart her song of joy. I encourage you then, go through the Psalms, find some words that can help you jumpstart your song of joy. How are you feeling this Advent season? Write down your feelings on those notes. 
Maybe it's not joy. Maybe it is sadness or grief or frustration or pain. You write it down. How do you feel about what God is doing in your situation? Mary, she sings a song of joy, which is where ultimately we will get to because she noticed that God had looked on her situation. Hope. In your notes, something else to write down. Recite meaningful qualities of God. Recite meaningful qualities of God. In Luke 1, 49 through 50. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So the next thing that Mary does is she begins to recite meaningful qualities and attributes of who God is. She says, well, God is mighty. He's holy. He's merciful. Meaning he has a concerned devotion for my well-being. This might be a challenge for you if you don't know very much about God. Well, God bless the internet. Just pull up your web browser, type in Bible, God, attributes. And you get a whole list of them. But this is important. This is what I want you to understand. Our joy is often crippled by what we don't know, not by what we don't have. (coughs) Excuse me. Our joy is often crippled by what we don't know, not by what we don't have. Let me give you some biblical examples. The disciples are out in the boat. It's a big storm. These are, these are long sermon. These guys know fishing. They know water. But this storm is so big, it is shaking them to their core. They're crying out. They think they're going to die. Jesus is asleep in the boat. He finally wakes up and he says to them, why do you have so little faith? He calms the storm. And their response is this. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Is it possible that they might have been able to muster the same peace that Jesus had in the storm? had they known who they were with. One of my favorite, favorite stories at Christmas time, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, the, the spirit of past and present and future. But when he bumps into the, the ghost of Christmas present, you know what the ghost of Christmas present says? He says, come in and know me better, man. And that's the invitation that God gives to us. Come in and know me better. So Mary reflects on her situation, and she connects it back to who God is. She says, God, you are mighty. God, you are holy. God, you are devoted to me. In all of your mercy and love, you wrap yourself around me. So in your your, your notes, in in that second box there, Maybe you want to reflect on and write down, what are the qualities of God that are so important to you right now? Maybe it's, God, I I remember that you're loving and you're kind. God, that you're powerful. God, that you oversee all things. God, that you care. Well, she, she records her feelings and then she recite some of the qualities of God that matter to her. Here's a third fill-in. Then she goes on to rehearse God's future rescue. A furthering rescuing of God. What is God going to do? She rehearses God's rescue. 
in Luke 1 going on in her song 51 through 53. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. If hope is a story in, in three scenes, then, then where I am, okay, the next part is what goodness is God going to bring about? What is it that God is going to do? Mary knows that her story is going somewhere. I did a lot of rehearsing in high school. Maybe you were a part of groups that rehearsed things, even sports teams. They don't call it rehearsing, they call it practicing, but rehearsing music and rehearsing theater and rehearsing plays and blocking and scenes. It's not the actual show, but you're acting like it is. You're pretending that it is in how you speak and how you move, how you play. If you look at what Mary says here in these verses, I mean, she's going about and she's delivering these lines like it's already happened. You have done this. You have done this. You have done this. I mean, the promise of Jesus is that he's going to sit upon the throne, but right now Rome is on the throne. And right now Herod's on the throne. Jesus isn't on the throne. But Mary begins to rehearse these things like it's real, like it's already happened. Before we jumped into our Advent series, we were working our way through the book of Revelation. And the beautiful part of the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and 20 and 21, is the culmination of all of these things. That there will be no more tears. That there will be no more pain. So maybe in your notes, think about and write about what God is going to do. I'm going to write down my feelings. God, I feel this way. And God, I think about who you are and your qualities. But God, I know that you're going to make this right. God, you're going to fix this. God, you're going to restore this. And then finally, where does Mary end her song? Our last fill-in. In your notes, write this down. Review God's past actions. Review God's past actions. Write that down. Let me show you where I got that from. That's in Luke 1. It's the very end of her song. She says in verse 54 and verse 55, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary looks back. What has God done? Made promises that through Abraham's family, the whole world would be blessed. So many of the Psalms, as you go through them in your Bible, look back to the Exodus specifically. This is the big action of God in the Old Testament. This is the big act of deliverance. We, as followers of Jesus, can look back to the cross and the resurrection as God's action in the past, to review that, to remember that. Notice, I don't look to my past actions. I don't look back to my past. That's not what this song is about. In fact, Mary only once in this song ever really talks about her position when she talks about God looking upon her humble estate. Everything in this song of joy is about who God is, what God will do, what God has done. I want you to write something down. 
Is there an aspect, something that God has done for you that regularly anchors you in that story of hope? Well, if you've been writing some things down in your notes, the interesting thing happens when you go back and you review all that. You review your place in God's story. And then you start to watch as your spirit changes. Because you might have started in a place of despair or anger and frustration, but once you interject who God is and what God is going to do and what God has done, boy, that just wells up to be joy within you and your whole spirit transforms. You know, this could be a family activity. This could be a couple's activity. Does this work? Yeah, I really think it does. Insert you, insert me. Mary was in a far worse situation than any of us were. Far worse. Her country, dominated by the great empire of Rome. Corrupt politicians. She herself living in abject poverty. Illiterate. Misunderstood. Family under shame because she's pregnant. Being misunderstood. Mary was in a worse off situation than any of us are, and yet she seemed to muster out a beautiful song of joy by focusing on who God is, what God will do, and what God has done. This is why Peter, at the end of the New Testament, was able to say this. Just listen. Peter's writing to Christians who are scattered all over the known world, hunted, scattered, and dispersed. And he says this to them. He says, though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him, Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You know, this works for anyone. Do you find yourself without hope and joy this season? If you're watching online, do you find yourself without hope and without joy this season? See, both of those two things, hope and joy, are deeply connected to us and to us with Jesus in his story. I have joy because of God's grace and mercy and love to me. It's who God is. I am Jesus's and he is mine. And at the cross... He has saved my life. So if you find yourself without hope and without joy, you won't find it any other place except Jesus. So I'd encourage you, commit yourself to following him, to walking in relationship with him. Be like Mary and learn all that you possibly can, but all that Jesus has done. Some of you might be saying, Paul, this is a dumb message. This is stupid. Paul, I'm not going to go write a song of joy. I'm not going to go write my own Christmas song. Paul, I want a biblical, thematical, topical, exegetical message about joy that's traced throughout the Bible. Here's the problem. You want an intellectual exercise. And joy is not an intellectual exercise. Joy is the natural, emotional overflow of hope. And when there is hope, joy follows. Here is a way I've shown you for us to do what Mary did and what so many have done. And when you do that, joy is here. Let's think about the Lord's table. 
Does it and joy go together? Does the Lord's table and joy go together? Isn't the Lord's table a reenactment of a story? Isn't it remembering our part in the story? Where Jesus says, take this cup. Take this bread. It's for you. Do this to remember me. The Lord's table is all about what Jesus has done in our humble estate. And through it, we are called blessed. So before we share in the Lord's table communion, if you're watching with us online, let's read these words and see these words and reflect on the story. And then we'll share in the elements together. Guys, go ahead. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.